Welcome to episode 124 of The Digital Life, a show about our adventures in the world of design and technology. I'm your host, John Follett, and with me today is Madeline Price-Ball, who is the co-founder and principal investigator of the Public Data Sharing Study. Madeline, welcome to the show. Hi, it's great to be here. So for our podcast topic this week, we're going to chat with Madeline about Open Humans, which is an online platform that enables people to not only connect and participate with research studies, but also receive data back from the scientists conducting these studies. So Madeline, let's let's jump right into it. How did Open Humans, uh, how did that project get started? So Open Humans is kind of a spin-off or an outgrowth of the work that me and Jason Bobe have done with the Personal Genome Project, which was founded by George Church, and also with the GET conferences. GET stands for Genome Environments and Traits. And uh, in these, it, we draw from these experiences where we've been working with an amazing group of participants in these research studies that are really interested in giving themselves to their data to research. So in the personal genome project, the, the, the study is, is founded on the idea that genome data is uh, personal and identifiable, but that we can still recruit people who are interested in sharing that data plus health data. Knowing the dangers of identifiability, there's still some, some data astronauts out there that are interested in sharing their data. And, uh, and, the, and it turns out that there's a lot of people. There's over 4,500 people now that have signed up, signed on to the PGP. So, uh, and in the GET conferences, we've had uh, a bridge that's formed by bringing in researchers that want to work with these people and want to study them. So Open Humans is about bringing these people and researchers together and making the data that the research studies generate portable between them so that people can get their data back from a research study and share it with other researchers or choose to share it publicly. So how did this... uh project uh, genesis happened? I know you went through, uh, you know, a number of uh, grant applications, and then there was there was some huge momentum that came from uh, two rather large awards. Could, could you tell us a little bit about that and how that happened? So it, it really has its roots in working together with Involution Studios before those awards, kind of brainstorming what is the personal genome project supposed to be? How should it grow? What should it look like? And one of one of the things we thought it should be is sort of this place that's like a data hub where people can bring data in from research studies and be sharing it uh, publicly as a resource and with researchers. And that name, Open Humans, was generated, and, and we were um, had a lot of ideas about that. And so uh, Jason has had some ongoing relationships with uh, people at private, at at, uh, at uh, private foundations that are interested in this stuff. In particular, the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation. Uh, we talked to them and submitted and put drew up a, a draft uh, and a grant proposal that's an unsolicited sort of. This is what we want to do. Are you interested in funding it? So. Uh, how how does it work for uh, the open human members, and uh, you know on on the other side of the coin for for the researchers, you know when 
if I were to become an Open Humans uh, member, you know, what's what's the process that I go through uh, for uh, signing up and then and then getting my data into the system? Right. So right now, uh, members can just go on to Open Humans and create an account. And uh, so the one question would be, why might you want to create an account? You can become someone who is receiving and donating their data to research in an ongoing fashion. So if we have a series of research studies right now, but we're going to keep adding more research studies and we're going to keep adding more ability to import data from other sources like uh, like Fitbits and uh, phone apps that track your run and like genetic data from various genetic data providers. So we keep growing that. Uh, so you want to make an account, you go to openhumans.org and, uh, and you become a member. And one of the things we're doing is we, we give people their public profiles and you can pick any user, username you want as long as you're not pretending to be someone else. So you can be yourself, you can use your real name, or you can pick a, pick a fake name. Uh, you can pick a name that maybe only your friends know. It's really up to you how, how you share that. And that's really how everything goes. It's up to you what you want to share. So then once you're in, there's a couple different research studies we have uh, that we encourage people to connect accounts with and go join. Uh, the Personal Genome Project is a big one. That's where we're from. And uh, you can go join their study. American Gut is, a, is an exciting microbiome project that's based uh, in Rob Knight's lab at UCSD. And Go Viral is a project Rumi Chinaro has, uh, which I think is really fun, is you get to profile the viruses that you have when you're sick. You find right. out if you really had the flu or not and what you actually got, uh, which I think is just a fun sort of data to get back from a study. It's a silver lining on getting sick. <laughs> yeah, if there, you know, uh, if if there is a silver lining. The, uh, um, now, now, the, on the research side, uh, I understand that there are a number of things that make open humans uh, unique in terms of uh, how the researchers can interact with the with with the data that they get from open humans participants. Could you could you tell me a little bit about that? So what we enable is researchers to to really uh, reuse data that other studies are using have created um, or that participants or members have have brought into the open humans platform so someone on a member of open humans might import their data from runkeeper which is an app that you can use to track uh, your cord your GPS while you run and Rumi Chinara has a study on open humans that you can donate that data to and so she can uh, ask you are you willing to share that? with me and uh, and you can say yes. And she has, as she's trying to understand how you, the, the geography and how the structures of streets, like whether there's pavements or one-way streets or stoplights, how that affects people's exercise habits uh, when they're running and, and doing cycling and stuff. So that's, that's a cool, that sort of interaction where you can directly say, here's a study, give, give my data to it. And in addition, we also have a public data sharing feature where you can choose to say, hey, here's all of my runs. I'm happy to share that publicly. Here's like the maps of me running. And if someone wants to do research on that, they can. And what's really interesting about this is that data like 
genomes and maps are not easily released by the companies that hold them because it's mm-hmm. highly identifiable data. Uh, it's where where you, location data might you might start your run at home or at work, and so that piece of information is considered too sensitive for a company like Runkeeper to just put out there in public. But a lot of people decide that they don't really mind having that public. And so they can share that publicly and it becomes this resource that all sorts of people can build from that you may not expect, you know, someone might build a visualization from all the data that people make public. Uh, it's very fun. Yeah. So so just to be clear, this is not the norm for, for research and, and data sharing. I mean, this is very much... Um, uh, disruptive in 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 a lot of ways to uh, the the research you know um, ecosphere is is that is that correct? Yeah, it's uh it's it's what's really true right now in research is that people do not see their data. They're given a consent form maybe by a doctor in a doctor's office and they sign it and they love to contribute, but they never see the data that comes out of it vast majority of genomes that are being sequenced right now, people are not getting access to that data. They're not able to like bring it to another person to look at, look at it themselves, share it with another research study. It's not being shared. And then the research studies kind of lock that data up. So the the idea that we connect to participants in this way and, and give them data back and let them play with it is completely new. Uh, and then, the, and then the idea that the data that people can choose to make their own data public, just like they can make that own decision, that's not something other people are enabling. We're very respectful. It's it's entirely up to the participant what they want to make public or not. But so far, nobody's been even giving people that option. Yeah, that that um, you know that that seems mind blowing in in in. Um you know, the 21st century, that there, there wouldn't be an easier way to do that. And, uh, you know, in, in sort of learning about your project, I mean, the fact that you're sort of pushing this, uh, you know, it's, it's wonderful for the researchers, but it still seems, at least from, from a data sharing aspect, it, it really seems um, surprising to me, at least, that there's no easy way uh, to, to donate data and, and get data back. Um, so what has been the reaction of the research community and, uh, you know, uh, generally to the Open Humans uh, platform as, as you've rolled it out? So researchers tend to be pretty positive, especially when they start putting the participants' shoes on. If they start wearing the participants' shoes, then, of course, they start getting really interested in seeing data back from research studies. And so mm-hmm. that's, that's part of um, what really gets the researchers engaged is they, they're not just researchers anymore. They also become participants in other studies. Uh, the researchers face a lot of hurdles right now in the sense that there's just – it's the data return pro- – giving data back to participants is just not done, which means that they face logistics hurdles of how do I do this? Uh, and they, they also face sometimes some co- hard conversations with their, their ethics review boards because, uh, you know, everything has to be approved by their institution. And then institution says, we've never done that before. What are you talking about? Letting mm. people take their data out of, from your study, like you're letting them see it. And so a lot of interesting conversations are happening. And uh, I think a lot of nebulous fears are getting addressed. They're not 
really grounded in anything. It's just a new thing for them. Interesting. So, so I imagine that, uh, uh, you have, I mean, you have these three research studies sort of initially that, that people can participate in. Uh, do you have any in the pipeline that you can talk about or are those, uh, sort of uh, under wraps while they're being discussed? Mm, since, you know, since it's st nothing's done until it's done, uh, right. I don't really want to say any anything in Fair particular, enough. but we definitely have more stuff that's getting at both the genetic and environmental components around people um, and bringing in that like new research data. A lot of this stuff we're tr trying to center around the personal genome project people because we know that they're enthusiastic contributors and they're, they're a great set of people to build data around. But we really welcome new members who want to join this movement of becoming someone who's, who's really contributing in an ongoing way. Uh, so, yeah. So, so I, I, I know this, this question uh, must, must come up quite a bit, uh, but in this age of, of uh, you know, sort of data breaches in the news, uh, seemingly, you know, every month there's, there's a new story about uh, some kind of hack. Um, what, in terms of security, is uh, uh, Open Humans doing to, to keep its members' data secure? Right, we're really uh, aware of that. Like, I we we pay a lot of attention to this stuff. I'm actually I pay as a member of the Electronic Frontier Foundation, um, so I care a lot about respecting people's right to decide when their data is shared and not just sharing all of it by accident. Right. So we use encryption for the website so that it defaults to to secure HTTP. HTTPS. Uh, so if you try to use it in some other way, it's just going to push you back into encryption. And we do standard security practices uh, for websites, which is stuff like hashing passwords. Uh, and also we keep our software up to date. This is just important to do because there's security, there's standard software that addresses all of these known secure, like ways to attack websites. And keeping that software up to date is just key because people discover new things and you update your software and it will fix that thing. So we do all that, but there's one more thing that I think is is really key that we didn't anticipate, but that we ended up doing, and that is that we end up um, giving research studies that are also operating online a lot of really important advice about mm. doing all of these things that I just mentioned. Uh, a lot of studies, the most sensitive data they might be collecting is not the microbiome data, but someone's password. If they, if you have someone's Gmail email and their password, and you haven't encrypted it, they might have used the same password that they use for Google. And in that case, like you, that's a really sensitive piece of information. There's ways to handle passwords that are highly secure that we can teach uh, research studies that we work together with to use. So we help protect our members, not just on our own site, but also by uh, helping uh, get better protections with research studies and how they're managing their participants. Yeah, that's that sounds uh, uh, like a very good uh, additional benefit for researchers uh, that they get that that consulting advice from from the Open Humans Project. So, so Madeline, to to kind of you know wrap up this interview, what what's on the horizon for for Open Humans? What what are you excited about? What's uh, happening in the next uh, six to twelve months that uh, uh, that you could tell us about? 
Well, uh, we're going to be having another GET conference in, at the end of April next year. And I'm really looking forward to that because I think that's going to be the conference where we really bring together Open Humans members and researchers that want to work together with them. And so uh, we haven't decided exactly how we re reach out to both communities, but this is a really exciting opportunity, both for people who might think they want to become one of these members uh, and uh, maybe attend this conference and meet all of these researchers. And this can be in Boston at on April uh, 26th and 27th. Uh, and the researchers, any researchers who might be interested in running a little study that works together with these people that already have data that they can share from other sources, they're just super enthusiastic. Uh, we'd love to see them there. So, so listeners, if you're, if you're interested in donating your data to science, uh, check out openhumans.org. And remember that while you're listening to the show, you can follow along with the things we're mentioning here in real time. Just head over to thedigitallife.com. That's just one L in the digital life. And go to the page for this episode. We've included links to pretty much everything mentioned by everybody. So it's a rich information resource to take advantage of while you're listening or afterward if you're trying to remember something that you liked. And if you want to follow us outside of the show, you can follow me on Twitter at John Follett. That's J-O-N-F-O-L-L-E-T-T. -T. And of course, the whole show is brought to you by Involution Studios, which you can check out at GoInvo.com. That's G-O-I-N-V-O.com. Madeline, how can listeners get in touch with you? So Open Humans uh, has a blog that's linked to on its website. Uh, and also has a Twitter handle called that's openhumansorg. And then if you want to get in touch with me personally, I'm on Twitter too, and my handle is madprime, M-A-D-P-R-I-M-E. And uh, I tend to respond on Twitter uh, if you tweet me, so uh, I'm happy if you want to get in touch there. Terrific. Madeline, thank you so much for coming on the show today. It was great to talk with you. So that's it uh, for episode 124 of The Digital Life. I'm John Follett, and we'll see you next time. Mm -hmm.